Hello everyone this is Ashish welcome back to our podcast today we are having TJ from TJ loves fights is that your first name like uh, is that how you go like TJ yeah TJ is my first name uh it stands for Theodore Julian mm-hmm. yeah i just go by TJ i i love uh, like i was saying i love your channel as a fan of the sport i watch your videos very regularly uh, when did you get into martial art i know that you have been practicing right now you're heavy in boxing but how old were you when you got into martial arts uh definitely a super small kid cuz my parents put me into taekwondo classes hmm. and uh i was a huge fan of bruce lee back in the day and manny pacquiao so i yeah i was introduced to it at a super young age and then mm-hmm. as i got older i kind of left the traditional martial arts just because it wasn't too practical and then i got into boxing when i was in high school Mm. And I've just been doing boxing ever since and I've been a fan of uh combat sports ever since. Yeah, uh, you know your YouTube channel, the picture, that's Manny Pacquiao, right? Yeah. <laughs> I like this kid whoever is running this channel looks awfully like Manny Pacquiao and then no, it is actually Manny Pacquiao that is that is on there. Uh do your viewers because you have a huge viewer base, right? Um you are uh, creating more than 100,000 views almost in every video. Uh, do you do your viewers actually know how you look like because very often it's not very often you come on the screen yourself right right um actually the funny thing is i got recognized today at the gym hmm. really? um yeah that's crazy because i don't show my face um i think i was telling you earlier that i don't have a good camera i'm going to buy <clears throat> i'm going to buy a camera soon mm-hmm. uh, i don't have a good camera so that's why i don't really show my face Mm. but i've shown my face like twice on my youtube channel one time for a sponsorship and then another time for like a little podcast clip i have on on my shorts so i was actually super surprised that somebody recognized me today uh mm. at the gym and so um that's i don't because, think most, most that's because you are you are really doing good uh, as as a content creator and uh, what i have seen is the when you get recognized on the streets that's when your videos are really going popular because when it starts spreading so they're like in the career of content creator it goes ups and downs uh, because that's when like they saw you 2 days ago because the video was being shared so much so you were saying uh, that as a content creator you started creating videos quite early on right but uh, later on you found this formula that you're running with right now but you have always been creating martial art videos right uh Combat yeah sports. yeah definitely it took it definitely took me some time to find that that formula like you were saying that like style mm-hmm. um cuz i think i was talking about it with you earlier that i had a uh a couple of videos maybe like 10 videos on that channel mm-hmm. um 3 or 4 years ago and the style it was all over the place the style was bad the production was bad and um it definitely took a while for me to to find that style that mm-hmm. that i have hmm there's certainly a good amount of consistency so it looks like you have found a workflow because what happens on youtube is that your audience starts to expect a certain form of videos you start deviating right. they start going away from your channel right so what is your workflow like when right now also let's say you are creating a video certainly you are which is going to maybe come in weeks in the future so what do you think like where do you start how the how does it flow or is just you keep on researching and 10 ideas pop up and you make 10 different videos how does it really work yeah so you're right in that i kind of picked up a workflow now that mm-hmm. i kind of seen what has given me success mm-hmm. i kind of know what uh my audience expects of me and what type of style they like mm-hmm. um i would say uh videos take around a week that's why i upload once a week they mm-hmm. take uh so the first couple of days is is research script writing um just uh, a lot of idea formulating for the first couple of days and then um i would say it takes a day for me to record i just mm-hmm. sit down for like a couple hours and record and then it takes maybe one or two days to edit. So, I've kind of gotten into a flow. Mm-hmm. I kind of know how long, you know, each part of the video making takes and I 
Yeah, I, I would say the process really just starts with like interests and a lot of research in a topic. And then I just go from there. But how do you uh, decide that you are going to make a video on, let us say, white privilege? Why didn't a white privilege exist, right? Mm. So how, how do you think of that? Like, okay, I want to make a video on this. Is it yeah. like you do research on trending topics, stuff like that? Um, I actually don't do that much research on trending topics. I kind of just make videos that I see as a fan, mm -hmm. like on topics that are trending. I think mm. because I'm such a, I don't know, I'm just such a fight head. Like I'm just always watching UFC. I'm always watching boxing. I'm keeping up to date with the news. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really have to do like, I don't really dedicate time to do research on mm. a topic or a video. I think as a fan and as somebody who just keeps track of the sport mm -hmm. in general, like during my life, I kind of, it's, it's, easy for me to come up with topics just because I know what's trending in the sport. Um, so that's kind of how I think of, of video topics, just just as a fan. That's good. Like that's that's also like a combination. You're not really following what the crowd tells you to do. You are a fan yourself. And also, you know what most people would like to watch or uh, would, would like to be documented into a video. Right. Right. Exactly. Now, since you watch a lot of fights, what do you think about Sahuda versus Sterling? Yeah, I'm gonna see it obviously um, later today. I think it's a it's a very interesting fight. Um, I think it's similar to the Cyril Gon John Jones John Jones mm -hmm. situation, where one of the greats comes back mm -hmm. from a long hiatus. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be a very interesting fight, just because Henry Cejudo, even though he's older and out of shape and not in his prime, his fight IQ is so high. But I think with this fight, a lot of people are underestimating Aljamain Sterling. Mm. I think he's really good. And I think he doesn't get the credit he deserves just because of how he got the title. Mm -hmm. So he got the title from, you know, disqualification. So a lot of people mm -hmm. don't consider him the real champ. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, he went back and beat Jan, Piotr Jan, and then he went back and beat uh, TJ Dillashaw. So mm -hmm. those were two good wins, even if TJ Dillashaw was injured. I mean, those were two good wins, and I think... A lot of people are underestimating him. I still am taking Cejudo, like most people, but mm -hmm. um, I think it's going to be a closer fight than most people think. And um, I think Aljamain is going to look really good in that fight as much as Cejudo is going to look good. But I do have Cejudo. Yeah, Cejudo itself as a character is pretty inspirational, don't you think? The, the things that he has achieved. And he kind of was ultimately the first one who was successful to bring light in that division people's eyes in that division because before that everything that Sahuda did I think Demetrius Johnson did much better as a fighter like there's no yeah. doubt right the things that Demetrius Johnson did but still he was not able to get that attention and it's kind of sad to think that the the one thing that could bring attention was was for you to put on a sunglass right yeah. and and just uh, talk talk stuff because when you look at Henry Sayuto doing what he's done to bring some attention, which obviously both of us respect to bring more attention towards the sport. But when you look at Demetrius Johnson doing a suplex and turning it into an arm bar in the fifth yeah. round, there's no comparison, right? But ultimately, uh, that's what it took. But uh, that's also something that we have seen with Kobe Covington, right? Yeah. That ultimately, it's it's the unaware crowd that actually keeps the sport going. It's not the fanatics who keeps the sports going, right? Yeah, I think that's a really good insight. Um, I, I like your your take on the the Cejudo mm -hmm. Mighty Mouse thing in the one thirty five or one twenty five one thirty five division. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, Cejudo definitely brought light to or started to bring light to that division because of his persona. And um, yeah, it definitely sucks that we don't have DJ in the division anymore because that, mm. I mean, he would have mixed things up and he's still really good. I think he just won a trilogy against uh, Marias in um, 1FC, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't keep up with him too much, but he's still pretty good. How crazy did you think it was when Stylebender had that knockout recently? Wasn't Man, that, was... that nuts? Yeah, that was nuts. I was watching that at a party and we all went crazy. Um, I had uh, Alex Perea winning 
just you had him right everybody thought yeah. that it is just going to repeat like what more proof do you need <laughs> it has happened right. he before, was 3-0 right? against the guy <laughs> yeah yeah and, and it just i thought i also did say that or i was talking to a friend but i did say like if izzy were to win that fight it would have to be by knockout just mm. because he can't go to decision with the guy he's too dangerous even towards the end of fights so um mm -hmm. i said you know if izzy were to win which I, i didn't think at the time it had to have been by knockout and he and he did it so i mean i was super surprised and super happy for him obviously but that was crazy that's that's i think true display of martial arts because if you see izzy and pereira walking on the streets you say that guy pereira is significantly bigger <laughs> he looks right. wider to think that this guy can actually throw a hook and knock him out and the way that he did he's a big anime guy right so he does stuff like that after he wins as well i don't remember that bow and bow thing what he did yeah yeah um did you uh, do you follow uh, this guy Ma who runs a channel by mexican martial arts um i have seen his videos and i've i've heard of him but i don't keep up with him oh uh, no oh, okay but it's fine he recently made a video uh saudo versus sterling so i thought that what do you think about that but he he has a interesting thing and that's what i wanted to get into this space where people are making documentary style videos on combat sports it's getting pretty crowded recently don't you think so a lot of channels are popping up yeah i think so the reason why i made that channel in the first place is because i thought every other sport had these type mm. of channels where they were making video essays and documentary style videos but <laughs> combat sports kind of fell behind for some reason um i don't even watch baseball but there's a good channel called baseball doesn't exist which creates super great documentary style baseball videos and i felt that martial art or combat sports in general didn't have that type of uh those type mm -hmm. of creators mm -hmm. and so instead of just sitting around i kind of wanted to do it on my own and i think because of the success of me and the success of all these other channels that are starting to pop up and because the success is like rapid right i've only been doing this like for a year ish <laughs> i think a lot of people had that same sentiment in that they want to see high quality essay video essays or doc documentaries on combat on combat sports so um yeah i think you're going to definitely see more of these channels pop up what better sport to tell stories right because it's an exactly. individualistic sport it's a sport mm -hmm. where people are literally fighting for for a better life for a better career to make their mark in the sport so yeah the the storyline is pretty clear pretty vivid it's kind of like you would wonder why it took them so long to actually start uh, making such videos in this domain because ufc has been out there significantly since youtube was there right why why weren't you seeing these kind of videos back in 2008 2009 uh you know back in 2013 and 14 you could just find pirated videos on youtube full fights that's yeah. how i first watched watched uh, mixed martial arts because i was like a pure traditional martial arts background i was like watching karate videos taekwondo videos uh -huh. and all of a sudden i saw uh leo to machita uh doing that front kick to Randy Couture I think yeah and uh, he knocked him out and I said oh this karate guy what is he doing and then the next video I watched was uh, Ronda Rousey so it has always been on YouTube fights has been on YouTube but this form of video it has recently started uh don't you every now and then get get in trouble for example when you make a video on Dana White privilege and all what do you mean by like get in trouble I don't know. Uh you are talking against uh UFC and organization, right? Yeah, I uh, I don't really get in trouble. I mean, knock on wood, but like um I think every 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 sport is open. Everything is open to criticism and I think um YouTube serves as a really great platform <laughs> to kind of uh explain those criticisms and then distribute them to like an audience i think because comp especially the ufc right uh is so new mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of criticisms there and and criticisms that are you know valid and because the sport's again so new we need these criticisms so that the sport can improve because the one thing i like about dana white is that he 
does listen to the fans. He gives mm -hmm. the fans the fights they want. And if we're highly critical of the sport, he will respond in some way. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily so, yeah, it, say... It's pretty fair. That's, that's what I wanted to know from your side, that you don't face any kind of resistance talking what you want to. You're living in a democracy. You've got an American flag behind you, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so it's fun, but uh, I've been seeing a lot of uh, content creator in this domain facing a lot of copyright strikes. Uh, have you ever faced that? But uh, because I'm, I've been seeing, uh, for example, I do not know this guy, uh, if you know this guy, Patrick CC, he makes uh, yeah. great, great videos, right? So recently he uh, made a video on Dwayne The Rock Johnson and uh, the video got removed after reaching 800,000 views uh, oh, wow. because he got a copyright strike from WWE. Yeah, I don't uh, use videos mm -hmm. um, precisely for that reason. Mm. Um, I think pictures are this weird gray area on YouTube right now where mm. especially when you're using it for like a couple of seconds, I think it falls under like fair use. Mm -hmm. um, but I have been I haven't been striked, but like I, I've gotten uh, what is it called? Not strikes, but like not they're not they don't strike the channel, but it just says you you can't monetize the cha uh, the video or some sometimes it's like blocked in other countries. So um, I just have to edit the video there. But, um, but that also yeah. stunts your growth significantly, right? If you need to edit it, remove some yeah. part, or maybe you do something, then it, it does not grow as well. And you have put good amount of time in that. Yeah. Um, if you catch it early, it <laughs> doesn't really stunt the growth of the video. Uh, actually, it was the calf kick video, which mm. um, I still did really good. But yeah, if you... I mean, 800,000 is insane. I think my video was like copyright noticed uh, like within a couple thousand views. So it was really early. So I just took it down and re-uploaded it. It was within like 30 minutes of uploading. But um, I think, yeah, if you just use pictures, don't use the videos of fights, obviously, that's going to get like taken down. But if you use pictures, small clips, I, I think all of that um, goes under fair use. So that's kind of fair that that's the only restriction that, hey, don't use my content. Um, because there's there's an organization that has invested heavily on the cameraman and all set up and made an event. And then they made a video, which was obviously well produced and a lot of money went into it. And someone can just take it and produce another video. That's unfair for them as well. So the only thing that they are saying is that, okay. Don't copy our video. Make your content. They're not causing any trouble even if you are uh, criticizing them. So that's kind of fair. And uh, I don't remember the name of the guy, but I think it goes by the name something MMA Fighting. The guy is really big when it comes to MMA documentary. I'm pretty sure you would have heard the name. He came on Joe Rogan podcast as well. And he takes his own camera and kind of goes to the fighters and uh, covers everything like uh, training and all pre-fight. So he makes his own content and then makes the documentary style videos. Uh, do you have like a plan of where now that you have found the recipe, where would you like uh, to take this channel? Um, so I think in my fir the first video on the channel, I say that I want to be like this content creator called Jimmy High Roller, who's a big basketball, mm. uh, ba big basketball youtuber he makes video essays on youtube mm -hmm. definitely a huge inspiration to me as a content creator i just want to get to that point where the sport so i think for a lot of basketball fans the sport it jimmy high roller represents that sport uh, for mm -hmm. video essays and like high quality videos i want to mm -hmm. get to that point where people associate you know mixed martial arts with my channel and hopefully i can get there i don't know how long that's going to take but um, I guess I just got to keep making videos, keep trying to make them better and uh, reach a, reach an audience big enough. So let's say you are at a point where you have like 1 million subscribers and you are one of the biggest creators on YouTube when it comes to combat sports. Would you say that at that point also you will be editing your own videos? I don't know because uh, <laughs> I've actually have had a lot of emails 
from editors reaching out mm. to me saying, mm -hmm. you know, you just have to do the voice recording. I can take care of the editing. I think one thing about doing the editing yourself is that it's reliant on you. I don't kind of, I don't really like relying on other people, uh, especially when with like time deadlines, you know, I'm, I'm a busy person outside of YouTube. YouTube isn't like my full time thing. Mm -hmm. So being reliant on like my capabilities and on my own is definitely helpful. I don't know if I get to the, I don't know when I'd get to the point where I kind of need another editor. I kind of enjoy the whole video making process from writing the script, recording, and even editing too. Even if it gets tedious sometimes, I like that I'm able to control the, the complete video. Well, basically your, your video is your editing. So whatever you're putting on your channel right. is your editing. If you're not doing it yourself, don't you think that's not really your video? <laughs> if someone yeah. else made it and now you have kind of made your YouTube channel into a franchise where it's not you who's creating the video, you're kind of managing the production of video, right? Uh, Casey Neistat was asked fairly recently, I think it was on the Nelk Boys, don't remember. But he uh, says that, I have always been editing all of my videos because what he's making is vlog style videos. And if he's not editing, that's not uh, really his video. But uh, then again, yeah, uh, it's, it's a question of uh, you can still govern the creativity of a video, even if someone else did, did it. For example, at some point, there's a limitation to our editing as well, right? Like we are not professional editors, but there are a few people who are professional editors. They went to film school, they, they learned it, that's all they do. So maybe that would be increasing the quality of the outcome or video ultimately, right? Yeah, there's definitely pros and cons to mm. editing your video. I didn't know Casey Neistat still edited his videos <laughs> considering how big he is. But yeah, I, I, I like that point of... Uh, Mm -hmm. taking ownership of your video feeling like this is my video because i went through the whole process i didn't give it to somebody else mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel manufactured it feels like i created it from the bottom up so i still enjoy it um i don't know if i get to the point where i don't have time but um so far i'm just gonna create the whole video myself mm -hmm. there's another trajectory like if you have a very successful platform where you have dedicated audience to mixed martial arts would you like to in future maybe start a podcast in this domain or co yeah. combat sport in general? Yeah, I think it would be really cool to do a podcast. Um, I tried interviewing, though, um, a professional boxer, and that did not go well, in my opinion, just because um, he was answering them so quickly and I couldn't really get any substance with answers. And I went through all my questions and I was just like freaking out. <laughs> I'm not really good on like off the cusp stuff. Like, I think you're doing a really good job with this podcast just because you, you keep it flowing. I think I'm really uh, meticulous in my planning and my video making. And mm -hmm. so um, podcasts, not going to lie, kind of scare me just because it's not planned out. It's a free flowing conversation. I can't really I mean, I can kind of control how good or bad it's going to be because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm leading the podcast, but I can't. I feel like going back and editing things wouldn't make the conversation flow. It wouldn't make a podcast. Like a podcast is supposed to be a flowing conversation. So maybe, maybe. I'm obviously open to it, but... So um, so where, where is that podcast that you did? Did you publish it? Is it still yeah. out? Yeah. Um, it's not really a podcast. It's just an interview with a professional boxer named Regis Progre. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't is it in do your too second hot. channel or something? No, no, this is on my main channel. It didn't do hot, do too hot in terms of views just because mm -hmm. it was way different from my other videos, but I just wanted to do it just because I got the opportunity to interview a professional boxer. So obviously I'm going to do it. Mm. Um, but it was just way more different than my other videos. So I don't think it did good. Mm. Um, but it was just a fun experience overall. It's like 30 minutes. Yeah, since you talked about views, I really wanted to get into it. Like, do you think that views are the ultimate uh, certificate to whether your video did good or did bad? Because it kind of is, right? If if you got more views, then your your video was good. If you did not, then your video was not as good. But do you think that that would be a correct discriminator? That only if the YouTube algorithm promoted my art because what you're creating actually you, you dedicated a lot of time you put your creativity you put your thoughts your your philosophy you created an art of let us say 12 minutes you published it 
YouTube algorithm didn't give a fuck, did not promote it. <laughs> and and do you think that that's a good discriminator? That the only way I'm successful if is if I get more views. That's a good question. Um, obviously, you want to create videos on YouTube to get mm -hmm. views, right? Yeah. Because that's the whole point of YouTube. But mm -hmm. there are videos that I was really proud of. I thought it was the editing was good. Um, I was doing really well in recording something something went good and it didn't get the right amount of views i think it's a mix between uh the production of it i think views is a heavy portion of it um this you know whether or not a video is good or not definitely heavily relies on the views but um you know the production the the, the response in the comments as well that's huge too because a video can get really good views off of clickbait or or just low effort things and I wouldn't necessarily categorize that as a good video, mm. right? And so mm. it's it's maybe half views and then another half the reception from your your fans. So um, I think it's a good mix. Views aren't everything, but they're definitely a big part of whether or not a video is good or not. Mm -hmm. So so leading to that, uh, like you said, there there might be some videos which you had huge amount of expectations from. This is going to be the next big thing this this is going to skyrocket my channel a lot and then it does nothing and has there been a point where you did not expect much and the video did fantastic more than your expectation uh, which which were those videos um i think the the steroids one the one where i talk about like mm -hmm. everybody's on steroids i did not think that video was going to do too hot mm -hmm. just because uh usually during the week when I come up with video ideas, I kind of can grasp whether or not this is a trending topic, whether it's viral. Um, I knew like the Ryan Garcia, Gervonta Davis video was going to do fantastic just because that was such a huge event. Mm -hmm. But making a video that isn't related to a trending topic, mm -hmm. uh, uh, just a topic that's big in the community but isn't currently trending in the week is always kind of a little risky just because it, it doesn't, usually i try to tie my videos into like what's going on today or like recently and mm -hmm. so that one was just out of the blue like nothing really happened in terms of you know steroid use in the ufc i just wanted to make a good video on a on a topic in the community that's always been big mm -hmm. so i just put it out i was like okay this is probably going to get my average views maybe it's not going to explode but it did really well um it's like close to 200,000, I think. And I was just way surprised that that um, went mm. viral. Mm -hmm. Well, w when you look at yourself and you're looking at views, which is obviously, I think we both agree, that is important. Uh, your primary source of income mostly is dependent on two things, right? What YouTube gives you by AdSense and the second one would be sponsors, right? Is there any third right. one that I'm not aware of? No, those are the only two right now for me are you thinking of expanding in some other domain because people a lot of times go towards merchandise um i don't know whether or not like merchandise would be a thing for me mm -hmm. i have some ideas but i don't know to me i would never buy another youtube creator's merchandise i think it's kind of in my opinion just a little weird to be wearing like an internet creator's merchandise so i i don't know whether or not i would pull it off Mm -hmm. Um, maybe in the future I've had ideas for like opening a boxing club and so oh. I think that's I've seen YouTubers like there's this YouTuber named Bart Kwan who uh, is a weightlifter and he has he doesn't have merch for his YouTube channel but he has mm -hmm. merch related to his uh, gym like his mm -hmm. uh, barbell gym it's called Barbell Brigade and that merchandise looks cool so um I don't think I would make merchandise for my YouTube channel. Yeah, you're actually think, thinking even bigger. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking right? a little bigger. I mean, this is far in the future. This is, yeah. This is you must know uh, that guy Sh Shane Faison, right? He's like the godfather of martial art YouTube channel. You don't know him? Shane Faison? No, I do. Fight Tips? Maybe I do. Fight oh, tips. Fight Tips. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know his full name. So, uh, Shane um, Faison, yeah. Yeah. So that last name threw me off. But yeah, Fight Tips, I definitely know who he is. Yeah, so so he's like a really admirable businessman itself. The way that he expanded everything, 
I remember the first video that I watched of his. It was two thousand eight, nine. He was talking about how to be confident in a in a real like combat scenario on the street. Yeah. Like yeah, pretty cool. And I was like sixteen, so obviously, <laughs> I've watched it multiple times. Yeah, Because definitely. I watch his videos before I like do a sparring session or something. Oh, really? He's he has really a lot of like good. footwork. He's yeah. really good. Uh, the the way that he breaks down everything. That's the thing. Like you can have Faraz Ahavi, who who is a professional MMA coach, knows everything, has trained world champions, goats, and then you have Shane Fazin, who actually knows better how to how to teach it to hundreds and thousands of people online, right? The, that is also a very valuable skill now you don't really like uh, the world champions might not be the best coaches who produces world champions yeah the best coaches might not be the best youtubers there's i think place for everyone right I, i'm pretty sure a lot of top fighters who are deep in the game maybe can't make videos that you are making documentary style the way that you are able to break down a topic so i guess there's a skill for everything Is there any pressure on you? Like, do you always give yourself a deadline that I have to publish a video every week? Is that a deadline, um, strict one? I wouldn't say it's a strict deadline, but I definitely try to uh, upload every week, mm -hmm. um, just for consistency. If you don't give yourself a deadline, you will never do it. Mm. Um, so I believe you need to give yourself a goal, a deadline, and it should be timely. So mm -hmm. uh, usually for me, it's like once a week. Um, mm. Right now, I'm doing like, I think Wednesdays or Fridays, whenever I can. Uh, I've had a weird schedule recently just because I've been on vacation. But um, I definitely try to upload once a week. But it's not like a strict deadline. Hmm. So do you also take care at what time it should be published? Well, let's say 10 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Do you think about that or just throw it away anytime? Um, I've been uploading... Uh, like i think 9 a.m western 12 p.m eastern just because i like getting those comments that say you know this was uploaded just at my lunch break or, <laughs> or just in the morning i like getting those comments because as like a just a person who likes youtube and, and certain creators i do enjoy when videos are uploaded towards like my meals just because mm -hmm. i'll click on it immediately mm -hmm. uh youtube says i've done a little research youtube does say that it the time doesn't matter But um, I think strategically, it's best to upload around like meal times, either dinner time or or lunch time in the U.S. At least. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I've seen. That creators in U.S. generally publish it sometime around three o'clock. Right. Uh, because in India, my my analytics, you know, there's an analytic which shows that at what time on what days uh, your audience is most uh -huh. active. And for me, it turns out to be always ten o'clock in the morning. And as you would expect, it is more on Saturdays and Sundays. Worst yeah. is on Thursday. Monday is also pretty bad because <laughs> Monday is a hell of a day anyways, right? Yeah. Uh, but but there's a, a big question amongst YouTubers. And uh, so you've been running this channel significantly in the pattern that it is for nine, nine to ten months, right? Say a right. year. But you have been publishing videos on YouTube for quite some time. How long would you say? How many years? Um, so I've always had like, I think every kid has had a YouTube channel. I uploaded just random stuff that really? got like 10 yeah, views. Yeah, that's very true, actually. I, I always yeah. find random people saying, oh, I once uploaded a gaming video, right? Yeah. Some exactly. Just stick I, to I it. think I... Yeah, I think I made like a Minecraft video back in the day. I think I had a little Minecraft mm -hmm. channel. And then before that, I had a channel that was just random things in my life. And mm -hmm. obviously no one watched it, <laughs> like 10 views. But I always loved YouTube. I grew up on YouTube because I thought it was a place where just random people can mm -hmm. can create really cool content. You don't... there. The cool thing about that versus like TV is that you don't need... a broadcasting right you don't yeah. need to have a company approve what you're making it's literally just you on mm -hmm. the on the uh, platform so even though you know as a kid i didn't have like a vision i just uploaded it because it was fun so maybe since i was like my oh god elementary school 10 years old maybe eight years old really but but like uh, significantly combat sport videos i think you started two two years ago or three years ago yeah 
just right? a couple of years ago. Combat sports, just a couple of years ago. And there's a thing a lot amongst YouTuber community is that a lot of us feel the anxiety. A lot of it is because of the views. A lot of us like lose sleep, and uh, because because it's it's an entertainment business, right? You you are trying to please a crowd. It's extremely difficult to please a crowd. Try to find hundred people who agrees on the same thing, and you found hundred thousand, right? So right. it is difficult. Uh, all I wanted to know, because I know that you are doing it part time. Now, what I'm saying is mostly uh, applicable to those people who are doing it full time, pursuing it as a career, but. Um, the good thing about part time is that your attention is always split. It's not that's it's not just YouTube. You're thinking twenty four hours a day. But what would you say? Like uh, you're pretty comfortable. No anxiety. Nothing when you're creating content. Uh, yeah, I think that's a really good point. In that I do this part time. I do this for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I want as much views as possible. I think every creator wants a lot of views, a lot of subscribers, but. I've honestly just been creating videos to create videos that I think I think are really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I just create videos that I want to watch. I stopped looking at analytics, uh, to be honest. I stopped looking at analytics. I stopped looking at comments because early on I was kind of stressing out on, on viewership and exactly what you were saying, like the anxiety of, man, I need this video to have a lot of views. But because this is, I still consider this a hobby, even though I spend a lot of hours on it. I, mm-hmm. I still consider this a hobby. I still consider it something I do for fun. Um, it's like instead of playing video games when I was a kid or instead of uh, doing whatever, I do this for fun. And, um, you know, I'll continue to do this for fun, even if I don't get the views, if I get, uh, you know, hundred thousands of views, I'll c- still consider to do it. So I think that's why I don't have the anxiety like I would assume full time creators are going through just because that's their livelihood. Right. They need views to put a roof over their head eat but i've been mm-hmm. fortunate enough to have another you know i have a full-time job mm-hmm. this is not my my full-time job so i'll continue to do this for fun would you like to talk a little bit about that you're a computer science engineer uh, graduated yeah. from university of california san diego right talk yeah. about that a little bit how, how was your whole undergraduation were you making videos while you were uh, undergrad as well um yeah, I, I started in my uh, like my last year, my senior year, mm-hmm. and um, I was just doing that on the side, again, just for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, this was, yeah, my last year of college. I really started uh, ramping up my videos, and yeah, I was just oh, you, doing you it Oh, you started working very recently. When did you graduate? Did you graduate in this winter? Yeah, I literally graduated uh, in March. Oh, so you're pretty fresh at your work as well, right? Yeah. Uh, like you recently started um, working. Now, was it like very stressful? Because I think that's where you push the pedal to the metal, right? You you have been creating very regularly. You're taking your YouTube channel seriously now. Uh, is that very difficult to manage it with your job? Because that job <laughs> is also pretty demanding. Um, Yeah. A lot of people ask me how I like have time for any of this. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I don't have... I don't binge TV shows. I don't play Scroll video games. Instagram. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I rarely use social media. So a lot of my free time, my leisure time, if like basically all of it is dedicated to YouTube. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm like stressed or overwhelmed with all of the work. I was even doing this like at the heart of probably my most important year, which is like my last year trying to get a job, trying to graduate. Um, I still found the time to do YouTube and um, I think people think they don't have the time to do other things, but it's because they're filling their time with, you know, Mm. things that are not productive. I think I filled a lot of, a lot of my time was like playing video games and just doing things that weren't productive. And then I had YouTube instead now. Oh, so what I think is my personal opinion is that, what you have, what most people don't, is a work work ethic. And I think a lot of that comes from your martial art background. Wouldn't you agree with that? Because that's one thing common in not only like combat sport athletes or people who are interested in anything physical like sport, they get a discipline, right? And uh, yeah. once, once that comes, you start to put everything in order. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
martial arts. I think I've had a discipline. Um, I think, yeah, I'm starting to realize this myself. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I've had that discipline because of martial arts because I started so young. Mm -hmm. uh, I started when I was like eight and I kind of just have had it. You know, it's not something that I necessarily had to hone. It wasn't a, uh, like a skill that was foreign to me that I had to like grow over the years. I kind of just have had it maybe because of martial arts. Mm -hmm. Have you ever, uh, like we were talking about this before, but we did not get into detail. Did you ever think about taking amateur fights or have you already taken it in boxing? No. Um, I, first of all, I don't think I'm that good. I just spar to get better for myself. Mm -hmm. um, just to like, because I train a lot, I hit the bag, I, I do drills. I kind of just want to see what works and doesn't work in an actual fight. So sparring is the closest thing I have to an actual fight. Would mm -hmm. I ever compete? I mean, yeah, maybe for fun. Um, but I don't think I have, you know, the time to be, you know, even an amateur boxer. I've, mm -hmm. I go to a gym where a lot of people are amateur boxers and they're amateur fighters and they're dedicated. You know, I'm doing YouTube. I'm a software engineer. Like I have other things to do, but you know, I'll never say never. Maybe in a couple years, I have more free time and I'm able to compete in some aspect. Yeah, I was thinking yesterday itself that uh, there are so many uh, people starting good analysis-based videos. Now, they they know a lot about the sport. Obviously, you have a mammoth source of information when it comes to uh, this whole combat sp sport domain. I was thinking that if some guy starts breaking down these fights, like let us say... Hendy Saudo does those breakdowns as well, right? How how the fight went and what Gracie yeah. started doing that a long time ago on their YouTube channel, uh, and the channel becomes big, and you see Logan Paul getting into boxing, and uh, the the whole uh, demography of uh, combat sport might change in that manner, right? That uh, people who like you had a voice, right? Uh, for example, Ryan Garcia also had a voice through the social media platform right so that might also be like possible we might be seeing boxers and mixed martial artists uh, who were like originally youtubers and just fan of the sport they had good mind and uh, a lot of times youtubers are underestimated as well oh you're just a youtuber ultimately but but right. the the reason for that might be is that uh, um, let us say daniel Cormier is doing that same analysis because UFC paid him to and you're doing that free uh, but that does not mean that you know lesser right now of course it is it is a very <laughs> strange like I cannot compare Daniel Cormier who, who has fought on that level yeah but also you're super young right and, uh -huh. and I'm talking about like YouTubers who are just sharing their voice would you in future think about like quitting your job for doing this full time <laughs> I've gotten this question a lot. Um, maybe. I don't know. I I actually enjoy software engineering. I've always mm -hmm. uh I've always wanted to pursue computer science. Mm -hmm. And I'm also thinking of having another YouTube channel which is more like software engineering related and like That's how nice. I mm -hmm. became a yeah, how I became a software engineer, how I went through the whole process. Um I genuinely enjoy uh, creating things in general, I think, whether it's YouTube videos, whether it's software, I like making things because I get to see the impact of my work being consumed by other people. Uh, maybe this is where you can start talking about how to develop a career in software because uh, the YouTube channel that I'm running, and that is Talk 4712, it was originally started as a career development channel, right? So, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm originally a mechanical engineer, so I worked as a scientist and then started guiding people on how to develop a career in that. Then it expanded into all sorts of engineer. So tell me, how did your career proceed as a software engineer? Yeah, so I went to UCSD for um, my undergrad for computer science in 2019. And um, I was really fortunate in that I've always liked computers. I've always liked technology. And mm -hmm. that was kind of my my goal for a long time is to be, you know, a software engineer because I knew they created the software that we all like use. So I think being dedicated to it early, especially, mm -hmm. is really good just because it's the course load is so heavy. 
Mm. There's so much things to do. So if you're kind of dedicated to it early, I think that really helps because I know some people have transferred into the major of computer science. <laughs> they didn't really know what to do with the computer science major, and then they shifted towards software engineering. Um, so finding a clear path of what you want to do in computer science, there's way more other things in, in the field. Uh, software engineering is just one of them. But uh, having that clear path really helps because it's it's so much better to do things like earlier and rather than later, especially in like such a volatile job market in tech. So what was your like vision? Let us say your your uh, one year into your undergraduation was your idea like, OK, I want to get into FANG and into those Google, Facebook companies like that. Was that in your mind or something else? Yeah, that's, that's definitely in every software engineer's mind, mm. I think, is to get into FANG. Unfortunately, I did not. I got into a really good company, though. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, yeah, I think the vision is just to make something that a lot of people consume and mm. uh, love and, and use on an everyday basis. I think that's the dream for a lot of software engineers. I think they have the same sentiment as me in that they want to create something that has an impact. And that's always just been the vision is to be a part of something that has a large impact and, a, and, and just a lot uh, is something that's used every day, every day by millions of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a buzz going on uh, that there's a recession a good amount of recession at least this yeah, year definitely in united states and rest of the world what, what's the whole scenario did that make you getting a job extremely difficult <laughs> that's an understatement yeah <laughs> um, the recession was really bad on mm. tech mm -hmm. just because there's a huge bubble in software engineering because so many companies were paying these software engineers like stupid high amounts of salary <laughs> right giving them so many benefits giving mm -hmm. them so many things and eventually that, that bubble is going to burst. Mm. And it did. It burst this year during my job hunt. It was so tough. Uh, mm. I may, I'm actually thinking of making a video on how I kind of survived this recession. Um, but like I applied to over 200 jobs. And uh, it, the interviewing process for software engineers was extremely, extremely difficult because of the recession. And then you had the layoffs, right? I don't know if you you uh, followed with the the layoffs in Fang, but like Google, yeah. Meta, insane, right? Of, right, mm. and you're just seeing these massive layoffs that mm. have never happened before. So the applicant pool becomes oversaturated because now you have Fang engineers competing with college graduates, and mm. then the the job market was just getting restricted and more restricted. So it's looked like I don't want to say it's been the worst ever. Because mm. obviously we need to reflect on this, but it it was it was looking bad to the point where like my professors were even saying like this is a really tough time for our students. But uh, I was fortunate uh, fortunate enough to find a job here in the in in this market. Yeah, maybe it's because of your martial art background and work ethic, man. <laughs> it just worked. Maybe right? <laughs> I just was like, okay, I worked so hard for this degree. There's mm -hmm. no way I'm gonna like quit now. So. Mm. Mm -hmm. It was definitely tough, but I got through it. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how it will compare to 2008 recession. But then again, I have no idea about that as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it is 2019 when you got into a college, right? And it would have been like, uh, which which month would you say in 2019 you got into UCSD? September, I would say. September. And you know December 2019, right? Like, if I was in your shoes and everything would be shutting down, I like going out of my mind because is is this like, why does it happen to me? <laughs> because I yeah, just no, got I was... into college and everything shuts right. down and I'm paying this tuition fees to <laughs> be in the Zoom class. What's going on, right? And that goes on for a year. Yeah, no, it, it was so tough during that time just because you're also losing out on the college experience too. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, this is a time where you're supposed to be you know, not not only studying and doing and like at your studies, but you're supposed to be, you know, meeting lifelong friends because mm -hmm. you're, uh, you know, in the dorms or whatever. But obviously I went back home mm -hmm. and uh, to that, that process sucked. That whole like two years sucked, but uh, I had a lot of free time. So 
I started like, you know, working out more. I started just picking up really good habits. Mm. And so I try to salvage, you know, a bad time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and the biggest question that was in all, all of our heads was that it is very uncertain. Now, what's going to happen when this is going to end? Thankfully, right now, things are kind of back to normal, at least how the colleges are operating. But then again, you see the recession thing that you talked about. Uh, I don't know if I should ask this, but I'm going to do it. Are you Gen Z? Like, were you born after 1997? Nine, yes. Yeah. So is that term thrown around you all the time? Like you are Gen Z? <laughs> Not really. I don't really think about it too much, but I see, guess I am. See, uh, there's an argument that Gen Z are very like uh, spoiled and uh, they get a lot of things handed over. And uh, I, I did a podcast couple of uh, episodes back and I was talking about Gen Z's had it really bad. <laughs> I mean, just look at your scenario right now. You, you went into a college. It's extremely difficult, first of all, to get a college like uh, UCSD. You got into that. And that's when it shuts down. You're back home. And when it starts opening up, there's a recession. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. This was not the situation in 2016, 2017, where everything was booming, right? So what do you say about that? Do you think that uh, your generation got an extra dose of struggle? Uh, I definitely do think so. I mean, yeah. obviously, I'm I'm, I am the guy. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm the Gen Z guy. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, I obviously want to say every, you know, my generation had it toughest, but I mean, like you said, pandemic recession during, uh, the time when we're supposed to be finding a job mm -hmm. significantly tougher. I've talked to some like upperclassmen who are not Gen Z, like they're a little older than me. Uh, and they were just getting opportunity. I'm not saying they didn't earn it obviously, but they're just getting, phenomenal opportunities that I we literally just could not have this year because mm -hmm. of the recession the pandemic all of that stuff we definitely had like this graduating class definitely had it the worst I think because again the pandemic recession all that mm -hmm. I'm seeing a lot of boys and girls actually holding on to their graduation because they think that this recession phase might pass in a year or two I, I'm talking about like master's student they're like oh yeah. it's really bad right now <laughs> better not graduate right now they're going for an extra uh, quarter or two of tuition fees to just hold on wait wait for the wave to pass right uh, but See, uh, that's like a common, it has become a stereotype, like uh, Gen Z is the TikTok generation, they they do cringe, cringe stuff, but then I see people like you, who are making such good content, right, and uh, and you, you. You, you cherished that opportunity when, when you were like sent back to home during the COVID pandemic, you utilized that time and made something good out of it. Which brings me to the question, do you think, uh, do you feel bad when you see people doing cringe stuff and they get like millions of views and then you make like one, one week of like heavy edited content with good research and uh, it's still not comparable to that? Um, I don't really, I don't, I don't really care or pay attention to that, mm -hmm. I think. Um, That's great. I, I'm really, even if I had the opportunity to make really low end content that got millions of views like very low effort content that made me millions, I still wouldn't do it because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I made this channel to make good videos and that's ultimately the goal is to make like better and better videos. And I, I, I just feel bad if I was making low effort videos and making millions, I wouldn't feel like I was earning that money and earning those views. <laughs> I like earning the things that I have. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very, it's very fulfilling to see my channel grow because I do put in a lot of time and effort into my videos. So, um, yeah, even if I were in the position where I could make low effort videos and make millions, I, I don't think I would. Hmm. That's actually great because you mostly what people do is they always, no matter how high they reach, they compare themselves to the people above them. Right. Right. <laughs> what I'm saying is you're not doing that. Maybe that's why you are able to maintain that if if you're continuously having that pressure kind of on your head it's easy to snap right right now you are very educated in the domain of martial arts but also you're like scientifically and technically education wise very educated right you're, you're a computer science engineer and then you have found 
a kind of common platform that is social media youtube and uh, you're combining it over there now there are two brains in your head number one is mixed martial arts and combat sports and uh, boxing and second one is like as a software engineer right and it is impossible that both are not working together to make your uh, social media platform work very successfully now i want to ask uh, you know about artificial intelligence obviously you dabble with yeah. chat gpt maybe uh, do you yeah. use any of that to maybe uh, create better content or uh, have you ever thought of using that to reach more audience um i've thought of it and i've tried it uh mm -hmm. the thing is with chat gpt is that the information doesn't go past 2021 right so i've asked mm -hmm. chat gpt like you know what do you think about making a video on this fighter or this event and it always gives me the response we mm -hmm. only have information up until 2021 so even though i've tried um doesn't it's not really helpful to me mm -hmm. uh, maybe i haven't been using it in the correct capacity mm -hmm. but um i definitely mm -hmm. just like making videos my own too i don't i don't again i don't want somebody else making it even if it's an ai do you think that uh, you will be seeing a lot more uh, videos uh, which are aligning of the same style as your video, which are just AI produced? No, they can just uh, compile it, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the editing that I have isn't anything crazy, mm. right? I'm just uh, putting up pictures related to the things I'm saying. Um, I think the more important part of my video is the story the the research the topic and so there's definitely going to be some ai that will edit the video like do the editing that i'm doing because it's very simple but um i'd be very surprised to see an ai create the video like the the actual topic the storytelling the script that would be very surprising to me just because that's something organic storytelling is something very human mm -hmm. i think and for an ai to do that would be insane but you know, I wouldn't be surprised because I've seen the what AI can do today. Mm -hmm. um, it can make art, which is something very subjective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so to make a story about like a topic, an essay, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, it's yeah. writing books. Yeah, there's a new thing going on in the book publishing industry. Like it can actually write thriller stories, <laughs> which oh, is okay. Crazy. Well, if it, if it can do that, then yeah, it can definitely make a ten minute boxing video. Uh huh. But yeah. by the time you'll be owning a gym, so you wouldn't have to worry Hopefully. about it. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. All right. All right. DJ, thanks a lot. I think uh, we can close the podcast over here. But I would love to have you again sometime. And please keep on making your videos. Uh, I'm a fan. I keep on watching your videos. I love them a lot. Uh, I have always been heavily following mixed martial arts a lot, but not that much uh, when it comes to boxing. And your uh -huh. content helps me to get more educated in the domain. It's truly remarkable what you're doing. And you. uh, hopefully we'll do it again sometime. You have uh, some words, something to say. Uh, where can people find you? Because I could not find you other than YouTube. I checked your description box. There's no Instagram. <laughs> where can I reach yeah. this? Thankfully, you just replied to my mail. Um, I keep my like private, like I keep my uh like my other life private. That's uh, I just kind of want to be mm -hmm. a creator and just want to make the videos. I don't know if people are interested in me specifically, so I don't really. Uh, mm -hmm. have like an Instagram for this channel or you know uh, publish my my personal Instagram mm -hmm. but um, you know I always talk about you know other parts of my I'm pretty open to mm. talking about other parts of my life that's good you know that's the feeling that I got as well like maybe this guy does not want to show <laughs> his face and actually today as well I was thinking man, is he going to come on a webcam or I'm going to be talking to just a voice because that's what you show a lot of time in your video so I kind of uh, had that but I'm glad that now your f audience knows you well right <laughs> uh -huh. yeah I will I will be using my face in <laughs> future videos for sure mm-hmm I just need to get a better camera and just a better setup in general. 
uh i'm not really scared to show my face or anything mm. i know some creators are like that but um yeah it's get, it's like, not really camera. uh scared being scared but also like a preference uh like you right. showed like this is my personal life like one of my favorite youtubers uh it, it goes by a channel name of oversimplified uh, he makes Oh, yeah, that, oh you know that too and never yeah. shows his face right yeah <laughs> so so it's also like okay uh, i'm just creating content i i am loving the whole process i would like to keep my private life private right that's the best thing in this world actually uh i heard it a long time ago that it's the worst thing that can happen to you is that you're very popular and also broke <laughs> and the best thing that can happen is that you're anonymous but you're rich and also you have an outlet to your art right so yeah yeah but but i'm very glad that you did this and i'm looking forward to a channel that you create on software engineering and uh, if you need any help at any point knowing the technicalities of uh, sound video you know you can hit me up anytime and uh, it was great will. having you it was great having you here tj thanks for doing this man thank you uh, you definitely showed me how to like podcast i think the conversation flowed really well so thanks yep all right guys uh art is a weekly podcast we are going to be over here every week momentum is a hindi version and uh, we do hindi podcast over there uh, which is in our secondary channel you can find the links down in the description box and we'll see all of you in the next one till then bye Okay DJ that's where we cut it out and uh, it was really great I enjoyed talking to you Enjoy talking to you too that was a that was a really great podcast man Yeah uh, I will I will be giving you uh, the access to my podcast first